And so we're going to open it up to Matthew chapter 4, if you have our Bibles. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And it says this here, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him everywhere. He went, people from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. I was thinking about, um, as I was preparing the message, I was thinking about the, the last 17 years specifically of my life and walking with Christ since I was 19 years old. And just thinking about the trajectory that, that my life has taken in those 17 years. And uh, it hasn't always been perfect or pretty, but it has always been up. There have been some, some bumps, you know, seasons where I didn't think I was going to move up and move forward. But overall, it's, it's always been, there's been an upward trajectory. And I was thinking about the things that I needed in that season, the past 15, 16, 17 years, in order for there to be an upward motion in my life. And uh, these top two needs popped out when I was studying. One, one thing that I needed was um, guidance for the future. You can go ahead and write that down. If your life is going to have upward trajectory, you, know, you need guidance for your future. And then you need healing for your past. So you need guidance for your future and healing for your past. And the scriptures just said that when Jesus hit the scene, so the the scripture is at the beginning of his ministry. He just started his ministry. It says that he taught and then he healed. So he taught people so that they would have guidance for the future. And he healed people from the, the tensions and the brokenness of their past. Yeah. Right? Because if I, if I teach you but I don't heal you, mm. you're going to go back to your brokenness. Come on, right? Come on if I heal you but I don't teach you, mm. you're going to go back to your brokenness. So we need both in order for there to be this upward trajectory in our lives and in our relationships and every area of our lives. We need to be taught And we need to be healed. So today I want to bring a message entitled Teacher and Healer. Um, Last week we revealed the character of God, the the nature of God through the life of Jesus. Today we're going to talk about him as teacher and as healer. And it's it's great that we we got outside and we interviewed some people. I know that there was a day in America where you could walk up to someone and they could give you clear explanation on how they felt about Christ and what Christ had done in their lives. Even if they didn't believe in him, they could share without having an argumentative spirit. Right. right? But people today, like that name just either makes you celebrate or shiver. You know what I mean? Like celebrate or lock up. And um, it's important that as Christians, we know who he is what he came to do, and what he means in our lives. And so, number one, I got two big points today. I'm going to write these down. Number one, Jesus taught. 
He was more than a teacher, but he did teach. And we're taught by different people growing up. We're, we're taught by mom and, and dad and siblings and friends. We're, we're, we learn from everyone around us. We learn from entertainers and politicians, people that we don't even know personally. We learn from. We've witnessed a number of things in this life. We, we saw things done um, to others, to us. We, we saw relationship dynamics. We, we saw things growing up. And, and part of that, what, what we were taught and what we saw, part of that makes up who we are. It influences the way that we act right. and, and how we came up. So I had a certain mentality growing up because what was spoken in my home. And beyond that, what I saw in my home, they say that more is caught than taught. Come on now. Right. So, so people will teach you something, but what you're really following is the way that they act. And I feel like when I came to Christ, I discovered that the word of God was going this direction. My life was going in this direction. Right. So when Christ hit the scene, he understood, wow, my father sent me from heaven and I'm surrounded by people who are going in this direction, but the kingdom of God and the ways of God are in this direction. So before I heal them, I got to begin to guide them in the ways of God. Isaiah actually puts it this way. He says that my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so he, Christ understood, I got to elevate their mentality. Someone say mentality. So Jesus came to teach. I just love this thought. You can jot it down. It won't come up, but Jesus came to teach and show us the best way to live. So when you're looking at Jesus, you're looking at the only person. Someone say only. Only. The only person you should fully imitate. You can learn from a lot of people. You can learn from Dave Ramsey. You you can learn from people in different aspects and areas of life. But if it boils down to it, our number one role model should be Christ. He came to teach and show us the best way to live. And he would say things like, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. That's right. Yeah. Like if he was preaching right now, he would stand up and he would say, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. What he means is those who have a heart who's ready to change, let them take every word that I'm saying, plant it in their hearts, allow it to transform them and begin to live it out. I would say the Joshua translation would be those who want to waste their time and don't have a heart to hear, may depart the church now. <laughs> because there's a lot more things to do than to sit here and not listen to me wow. and not do something about your life when you leave. That's, so yeah. That's, good. That's what he was saying. If you have a right. ear to hear, listen up. If not, don't waste your time listening to me. And so here's a key question I want to propose. Who's guiding your life? Go and write that down. Who's guiding your life? Who's your leader? Who's your, who's your thought leader? Is it a famous social media personality? Um, is it a political leader, celebrity, a spiritual leader? Who's guiding my life? Because th- this is the reality. You are not self-led. There's someone informing 
our thoughts and ideas. Whether we know it consciously or subconsciously, right, right, right. there's someone's thoughts and ideas that we have, we've accepted as truth. And we begin to live those truths out in our relationships and our finances and in how we view the Lord and how we view church. We've adopted someone's ideology. And you got to ask yourself this week, who's guiding my life? Because I've come to find this out over 17 years of following Christ. Is that people are either stressed by default or blessed by design. I've seen Christians and non-Christians alike live life full of worry, full of doubt, full of lack. Simply because they don't know who's their leader. And they're just this open field of like so into me. So into my mind, so into my heart, whatever it is, Instagram, TikTok, news, friend, uncle, auntie, just so into me. And what that reaps, because it's just so much input that's not rooted, is a little bit of truth, a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of this, a little bit of so much of that has led to worry, to doubt, to, 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 to not knowing who they are, right? Stressed by default. Blessed. By design, meaning, okay, I've come to Christ and I have to understand that when I come to Jesus, everything about my life. Come on, Pastor. Well, my wallet, everything about my life. Everything about my life. Everything, everything about my life belongs to him. So here's the deal. Whatever I thought over here 18 years ago does not matter. And it only leads to death. That's good. Now that I belong to Christ, everything he has to say about my life is the only thing that matters. And the Bible says it leads to life and peace. Everything he has to say. So he has to become the primary and the majority and the king of my thought life. Someone say thought life. Because I want to be blessed by design. So I'm intentionally every day for the rest of my life going to open this book and at least read a couple verses. Because I need to know what he thinks and what he has to say. Before he started his ministry, the first thing Christ said was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. What does repent mean? It means to have a change of mind. So if I'm over here, stressed, worried, lustful, confused, lying, cheating, stealing, beating, heating, creeping, reaping, bleeping, Flipping and fleeping, <laughs> sleeping and lazy, mm-hmm. hazed and daisy. Oh, the first thing he said, y'all know this funny. Don't, don't, don't bring your church face to church. Bring your, I want your real face at church. I want that real face. 
Y'all like, what does this even mean? Don't worry, Jesus used to confuse this cross too. Okay, so all this nonsense, the first thing he said before he healed anybody, before he, I love you, and I'm going to die on the cross for you, and I love you, I'm going to meet you where you are. The first thing he said in his love was change your mind. Come on. Change your mind. I, I, I put it to you like this. Any area of your life where there is stress and worry, there's a good chance that you haven't submitted that part of your life to Christ. There will be challenge. But where there is persistent defeat and worry and discouragement and stress. so good. And this spirit that you just want to give up and quit life, it is because it is not submitted to the mind of Christ. So the first thing he said was repent, have a change of mind. Get over here. That's so good. Get over here. Someone say get over here. Who used to say that? Was that Scorpion or Sub-Zero? Get over here. Get over here. Scorpion, my girl, you know. Pony boy. Someone caught that. You know the movie I'm talking about. Nemo, yay. He said, get over here. Because what uncle told you wasn't right. What you saw mom and dad do was not right. I want to show you not just a new way, but the best way. You're either stressed by default or you're blessed by design. And so whenever my wife does something that rubs me wrong, I can either react the way my father used to react, or my mom, or my grandma, or I can read the word, Chuck. I can repent in that moment, and I can ask myself, how would Christ react? And if I react how Christ reacts, it's going to heal the situation. And what I'm going to get from the situation is wisdom. But if I react the way the world reacts, it's only going to continue the vicious cycle. That's going to lead to death, separation, stress, divorce. So he said, I have to change your mind before I heal your life. Because once again, if I heal your life and I don't change your mind, you will end up back in a broken place. You will end up back in a broken place. So I got to get this mind right. So someone say Jesus taught. Jesus taught. Jesus taught. He, he taught about relationships. Write these things down. He, he, he taught about greatness. He taught us how to be great. And he said that uh, the servant shall be the greatest. This, if you're a servant, right? He taught about integrity. He gave you a whole chapter on how to live a blessed life, Matthew chapter 5, how to be blessed. He taught us how to engage our Heavenly Father. He, he, he taught. And so what I want to do as, as a man, I want to submit to the God man. As a man, I am not a leader unless he is my leader. I, I go as far as saying this. I am not even a man if Jesus is not leading me. He created me. He is God. He knows what's best. He knows what's in me. 
So what I want to do as a man, if I really want to be a man, I want to be led by the man. Right? Right? So I submit my life to his lordship because we're good with the Savior. Right? Like, Lord, forgive me my sins. Clean up my dirt. Clean up all. We good with the Savior, but we don't be good with the Lord. That Lord part is when I tell you to do something, you do it. But pastor, can you take us back to last week where he accepts all people? He does. But if acceptance is just you're in your dirt and I accept you and I stay here with you, guess where you're going to remain? In the dirt. What I need you to do is get up, get up, leave your life of sin, come to me so that you can walk in the fullness of what I have. I actually have some things to teach you, so I need you to get out of the dirt. I can't teach you if you remain in the dirt. We got some places to go. We got some things to do. I want to teach you. I want to teach you. And what I'm going to do as I teach you is I'm going to undo a lot of stuff that you were born into. I'm going to undo a lot of stuff, and it's going to be good. And uh, Matthew 7 says this. These are the words of Jesus. My heart's heavy, Krizia, because it's not that complicated. Everyone's looking for the answer, and it's like right here. I was like, what is my purpose? What, what do I do with my life? What, what, do I, what thought do I root myself in? That is who I am. That is who I am. That is who I am. It's like you're a different person every week. That is not normal. Right? So, so he, here's the answer to life. Here's the answer to peace, to joy. To, this is how you do business. This is how you swim at the beach. This is how you take a shower. This is how you work out. This is how you eat. This is how you should study. This is how you should engage people. This is the answer to it all. This is a broad stroke of everything you should root your life in and how you should live your life. Are you ready for this? Someone say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Here it is. These are the words of Christ. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching, lean into this, and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. So, Lord, you're telling me 
that in everything that is going on in this world, every thought, every philosophy in the world, you're telling me that in six verses, a couple sentences, I can find life? And if Jesus was here, he would say, yeah. Can you break it down a little bit more simply? I I love the analogies, the parables, Lord. Can you break it down a little bit more? Joshua, do what I say. If you do what I say, no matter what comes your way, you will thrive. You'll get wiser. You'll get stronger. You'll get better. You'll be blessed. Do what I say. I love you. I always got to throw a little love in for this generation. We're a little sensitive. I love you, Jesus. You ain't have to kiss me. I'm tough. But no, that's what he would say, right? Anyone who listens is wise. Anyone who does not is foolish. So this is my thing. This is what wisdom will teach me, guys. I don't want to find out the results of foolishness. So I won't sit in that chair under Jesus' teaching and be like, and have to learn what foolish looks like for the next five years until I end up in a God headlock like Jacob. And be like, all right, Lord, let me go. I'm tired of being hard-headed and not obeying. I would sit here in this message, say, thank you, Lord. I found the answer to life. All I got to do is listen to Jesus, and I will prosper, and I will be blessed. I'm going to leave these double doors different. I ain't going to guess about it. Like, I hope y'all, creative team, run up on me in Rio. I got an answer. When I think about, what, what, what's the question? What do you think about when you first hear the name? Okay, he is right today. He was right yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. He's right in the future. He's right right now. He is Lord. He is King. I love him. He set me free. He delivered me. He got a plan for my life. He's going to bless my life. I got a purpose. He's healing me. He's making me better. He's right yesterday. He's right today. He's right in the future. He's the only one that is right. And I follow him and I obey him. I wish more churches would roll up on people. That church would love my answer. They're like, can that guy come to our church? Like, no, I'm a pastor. You can come to my church. You, you, you got the answer. Someone say the answer. Follow my teaching. So I, I just want to encourage you. Something practical. Um, if you don't have a Bible with red letters, oh, yeah. get a Bible with red letters. Because those are the teachings of Jesus. Don't live confused anymore. Yeah, so good. I mean, when I say upward trajectory, I mean like. How can I put this? The bad things that I've gone through have only pushed me up more when I went through them. See, there are certain people who are living right now, and the bad things they're going through, they're going under. 
But when you when you make Jesus your Lord, I caught the Holy Ghost like back in the hold on. Like back in the Baptist church. Hold on. Hey. Hey. All right, hold on. Jesus told Peter this. Because Peter was all in for the Lord. He got it wrong a few times. He overspoke. But he was all in. This is the reason why when you're, when you're in obedience with Christ, I mean in every area, how you treat people, how you treat your spouse, how you oversee your finances, how, you, how you're a student in school, when you're generally obedient to the teachings of Christ, this is what he told Peter after he rebuked him. He said, Satan desires to sift you as, as wheat. He said, that's what he desires of your life. This is what I love about Jesus. I don't even know if I'm going to get to point two, and it's more powerful than this one, but the Holy Spirit has us here. He said, this is what he wants to do this to you. This is what I love about Jesus. Jesus did not say that I'm going to stop him from sifting you. Hold on, hold on. He didn't say I'm going to stop him. He said this. This is why we've always increased after a bad season. He said, I prayed for you. Right? So if you obey me in the hard season, you're going to come out and strengthen your brothers. Right? You're always going to come out better when you obey. So I can't be getting all doubtful about my current season because I'm working next to a a co-worker who does not believe in Jesus. And all they ever spit out is this ideology and these philosophies of I hate this job and I want to quit and they don't pay me enough. Let me tell you something. If God called you to that, you are in direct obedience to Jesus. He's going to prosper your obedience. He's going to bless your obedience. So you can't let all these other ideas come in when you're obeying what Jesus has guided you to do. So like in marriage right now, I, I, we were in the kitchen the other day and, and uh, I was reminded by the spirit that the Lord gave my wife a vision that we would be married. And he also told me a few weeks later before we got married that we would be married. Jesus says this. Let no man put asunder or separate what God has put together. So unless there is adultery, we have no choice but to forgive like him. To serve like him and get better in our marriage so he can heal the marriage. This is the problem. We've eliminated what Jesus has to say about the situation. Only to regret it years down the road that we didn't forgive. We didn't work it out. We didn't obey. We say, well, we don't care about what Jesus says. This is how I feel. And our feelings will always get us in the hole in the, come on church, always get us in the hole in the future. 
So when I was 19 and the Lord said, you got to get rid of that girl. I had to. Because if not, I was going to be pushing back my blessing. His word had to become priority. His guidance. Uh, Proverbs chapter 8 says that the father, when he created the universe, y'all hear? Consulted the spirit of wisdom. So when the father was creating the universe, God, oh my God. The father never had an original idea. Guess who gave the father the idea about the universe? Jesus Christ. Hello. Who himself is the spirit of wisdom. The father never had an original idea. It came from Jesus. So here I come. All right. It's time for me to come to the earth. Galatians 4.4. 4. For in due time, he was born of a virgin. For in due time, he was born of a virgin. Okay. Now the son is submitted to the father. He doesn't know when he's coming back. I'm going to get some emails. I can clean all that up. Don't worry about that. Now, listen. In due time, he was born of a virgin. He came. He came from heaven. He grew in wisdom, stature, favor with man, and favor with God. When his ministry was about to start, he realized. He walked around villages. And he watched families. And he watched teenagers. And he played with kids. And he saw old people dying. And he hung out with old men and old women who had regrets about their past. And he realized that there is a mental deficit in society and I could fix it if they let me Jesus taught so I'm not saying don't watch your YouTube videos I'm not saying don't listen to your music I'm not saying don't hang out and have fun what I am saying is at the center of who you are and what you believe and how you think must rest the words and the teachings of Christ. Because that's what's going to lead you to a life and a life more abundantly. And I am praying for you spouses who are unequally yoked. Because the woman is spiritually leading when it should be the man who is spiritually leading. Where y'all at? Are y'all in here today? The man, the man should be leading, should be in the word, should be opening up at the kitchen table, should be praying over their children. The man should be leading their children, their wives to the Lord. That's good. The man, someone say man. Man. The man should be doing it. I'm praying for you. Number two, Jesus healed. Yes, amen. Jesus healed. The word healing in the Greek is iasis, kind of like oasis. Mm-hmm. And it means this. Go ahead and write this down. The spiritual process of God's grace causing what is broken to become whole. Amen. Causing what is broken to become whole. Matthew 4.24, news about him spread as far as Syria. People soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease Or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them 
all. Here's the thought. Crowds gathered around Jesus because Jesus turns brokenness into wholeness. Wherever there is healing, crowds will gather. They'll, they'll gather. So I, I want to I challenge us a little bit, church. Let, let's get out of small church mentality, especially as we head into Easter season. I need us to start praying. Is there someone on the job that I need to invite to church? Their heart is, is palpable. Their, their heart's fertile. They're struggling in life. They, they need something different. Is there someone in your neighborhood that I need to invite to, to Christ? Is there someone, you know, in your family? We have to, we, we have to understand that God, God wants to heal more people than us in this room. Right. So right. There are a lot of people out there that, you know, they're, they're broken and, 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 and they're, they're looking for that healing. And I love this thought. Here it is. Jesus doesn't just have the power to heal. He has the compassion to heal. He has compassion. Someone say compassion. compassion. He healed people. That's right. He healed people. He wanted to heal them. He wanted to make things right. Matthew 8 says this large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy. Leprosy is a skin disease. Yeah. And if you had leprosy, you could not go to public worship. Mm. You had to stand at a distance from people. If you had leprosy, you lived outside of the city walls and you ate trash for your three square meals. The, the people would throw their trash over the wall and there would be camps of lepers and they would eat that trash. And so it was illegal to even approach the Lord. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him, especially a spiritual leader, and knelt before him. Here it is though, Lord. Someone say Lord. 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 This man wasn't a churchgoer. He didn't go to synagogue, but he recognized his need for God. Yes. The man said, if you are willing you can heal me, make me clean. Yes. I love the heart of Christ. Here it is. Jesus reached out and touched him. Yes. I am willing. Amen. Be healed. Be made whole. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. So His compassion. Yeah. Jesus. You may not be a normal churchgoer. But you came here today not because you had to. No one forced you to. You came here today because you were looking for something. And it's the compassion of Christ yes. that wants to do a healing, a healing work yes. in your life. Mm-hmm. I want to read us two quick testimony stories yes. real quick of God's healing, God's miraculous power. It says this here. I think about the word Pastor Kyra gave me years ago. As long as you continue to worship, you will be healed. Wow. That word came in May of 2015. Just one year out from when I was lying on a hospital bed on life support, barely breathing. In 2014, I was literally knocking on death's door. My kidneys had shut down. My trachea had collapsed. I lived in excruciating pain every day. I couldn't walk. Blood vessels in my eyes and legs were rupturing, and the septum in my nose was rotting. I didn't have a social life, and I had zero friends. The few friends I did have abandoned me. I was told my life would look like one hospital bed to another, and I would never be able to be a nurse. I had no money because I couldn't work. My family didn't believe that I was really sick. Just one year later, when, just one year later when I met Pastor Kyra in May of 2015, my kidney function had returned back to normal, and I was a practicing nurse. But I struggled every day with physical and emotional pain. 
I was looking for purpose, but scared that every single day I would relapse and die. When that word came, came sitting in Pastor Kyra's living room, I began to realize that God had, a, had better in store than a small sheltered life I had built myself. Little by little, God has helped me physically and mentally and emotionally. I continue to walk in that promise, that word every single day. I remain pain-free as long as I continue to worship. I think about my son. There was a time when my doctors thought I would never have children because I would be too sick and carrying a baby would have made me sicker. He is a miracle and the greatest example of God's goodness and joy in my life. I think about all the emotional pain and baggage I've carried for years. The father who was not emotionally present, the abandonment and rejection, the fear. I am facing those things now. I am actively, like right now in this very season, receiving healing from a broken relationship with my father. And negative scripts I've been telling myself this healing would not be possible had it not been for this church, for the focus on emotional healing, for pastors who care for me and did the groundwork first. Another story. Although I still have my challenges, physically God has healed me, mentally and emotionally in so many ways. He has healed me from a spirit of depression that threatened to leave my children motherless after being institutionalized three times with more suicide attempts than I can count. Some on foul and some not. I thank God that I am still here giving God the glory for the things he has done. He has healed me from a spirit of deception, low self-esteem and codependency that told me that if I didn't have a man, I was worthless. I thank God for healing me from that mindset. He has healed me from the trauma of molestation that awakened doors in me that uh, should have remained closed until the right person walked through them. He healed me from the spirit of verbal and physical abuse. I no longer have to explain black eyes and busted lips. I no longer have to explain why I have bruises and bite marks. God is a healer and he can heal any area of your life. Trust him. Never doubt. It might not be when you want it or how you want it, but God is able to restore. Can we put our hands together for those amazing, powerful stories?